0: Well, we're going to go ahead and make our way back to our seats. Amen. And uh, we're inviting you to stand, grab your Bible. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, and begin reading verse number 1. Amen. And we're going to read from Genesis, chapter 15, and verse number 1. Just a few pages. Amen. To your Bible. It's the book of Genesis and chapter 15, verse number one. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And verse number 11 is where I'm going to focus, amen, the theme of my message this morning. It says in, uh, this is talking about after that he had all the uh, sacrificed the animals upon the altar. It says in verse 11, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Amen. And I just want to talk for a few moments this this morning on. Defending your altar. Amen. Defending your altar. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us one more time. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord that we have in our hands today. We thank you for the great privilege to come into a public setting and give and offer public worship to you. We thank you for the word of the Lord that brings light, brings understanding, brings revelation. We pray today, God, that You would uh, you would enlighten our minds, God. You would reveal Yourself to us, God. You would cause us, Lord, to uh, worship You, God, with, with greater anointing, God. We pray that You would speak to us. Let Your perfect will be done in this place. Anoint my lips of clay, God. Help me to speak forth as the mouthpiece of God. And God, anoint every person in this place to receive your word today. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise and the worship. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. can be seated. Abram, the Chaldean, uh, leaves Ur. That city that actually was a very highly civilized society, an advanced society to study Archaeology. Uh, He left Ur with his father Terah, and he goes to Haran in Canaan, and then to Sycam, then to Egypt to escape the famine. And here uh, Abram has different encounters with Pharaoh of Egypt as he passes through the land. And and there's there's uh, there's another story involved in that. But then from Egypt he goes to Bethel in Canaan, and Lot begins to. Uh, the Bible says that uh, Abram and Lot reached a point when they had to uh, have some peace in their camp encampment and among their family and their herdsmen. And so Abram tells Lot, uh, choose a direction which way you'll go and I'll go the opposite direction. And, and so Abram, the Bible says, uh, chose the opposite of Lot. Lot looked towards the the, uh, the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and that was where he ended up going and and so Abram went into the opposite direction. And in spite of this different this uh, division that took place in the family in the camp, God used Abraham or Abram and 300 plus of his men at one particular point, uh, as uh, the time would progress, as Lot got himself in trouble with the the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and God used Abram and 300 plus of his men to deliver Lot and his family and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says, I'm kind of laying the foundation giving you a little bit of background this morning. That Abraham, the Bible tells us that he had lots of riches at this point. He was a very wealthy man and he not only had wealth and he he also had the respect of the greatest nations on on the planet at the time. Abram had the respect of Pharaoh, uh, the king of Egypt. He had the respect of the other surrounding nations because he would overcome them with 300 of his men. To deliver Lot and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And and there was a great influence and power and wealth that was in the hand of Abraham. Uh, But Abram reaches a point in his life when he begins to seek God even more clearly for the promise that God gave him. The Bible says that God began to speak to Abram and said that you are to get out from the, the land of your fathers and go to a place that I'll show thee. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And there's there's promises that and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And those that bless you, I will bless them, and those that curse you, I'll curse them. And there's going to be a promise upon Abraham's life. And we've talked about that in past messages. Amen. But here Abram seeks a particular sign from God to prove that God's promises would indeed come to pass. But God does not give Abraham a sign until. Here in the Bible, we see that first he begins to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. There are some things that you and I are not going to get from God until we have... Amen. A mindset of worship and of praise. Amen. How many of you today can worship the Lord when hell is breaking out? Amen. All around you. And it seems like everything's topsy to turvy. And you don't know left from right, but you can still lift up your hands and say, Great are you, Lord. I will worship you. And so in this specific scenario, Amen. Abraham begins to worship the Lord, and he makes an altar before the Lord. And uh, uh, these these uh, these uh, these uh, animals that Abram offered, the Bible says that they were three years of age. That was the age in which these animals would begin uh, producing offspring. Amen. So, at three years of age, these animals now reached the fruitful uh, time in their life when they could begin to reproduce. Amen. So what we know from that is that these uh, animals were becoming more valuable to Abraham. Amen. Which implies to us and shows us that our sacrifice and our worship to the Lord. Amen. Should not be some willy nilly thing that we give to the Lord. Amen. It's not just come to church and oh yeah, I gotta pay my tithe, throw a couple dollars in the envelope, but it should be something, amen, that we purpose in our heart. God, I'm gonna give you the best that I have. It's not something where we wake up and say, Oh, look at the time. My best, I guess I better get ready for church and show up to church, and we barely make it to church. Amen. But it should be something that we prepare and we get ready for, and we give God our very best. Amen. Yeah. Not give God, just the last few years of our life, Amen. But to give God the young years, to give God the the present, the now, the here and the now times of our life. So many people, amen, say, well, when I'm older, I'll give God my life. When I'm a more well-established in life and things have settled down in my life, I'll give God my heart and my life. But God's Word tells us and teaches us that we are to give God our very best. And some people, amen, can't seek to even give God their best in church. Come on. And we come to church and we think, man, I'm just happy to be here. Amen. And, and we, we show up tired. We show up just not even really prepared for church. Just throwing on our ties we get here. Amen. We're falling asleep in church. Amen. We can, can, we can clap our hands and we're giving God leftovers. But the things that we've got to offer God has got to be our very best today. Right, come on. Amen. We've got a purpose in our minds. When I go to church, which I will go to church, and I will be faithful. I'm purposing in my heart I'm going to show up early for prayer. I'm going to worship God with all of my heart. I'm going to preach with my pastor. I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to worship God today. Hallelujah, we've got to give Him our very best. Sacrificial worship will cost you something of value. Right, right. It's got to cost you something. David understood that when he began to uh, build an altar and the person that owned the threshing floor said, if it's for the Lord, I'll give it to you. David said, no, you're not going to give it to me. I'm going to pay you for it because it's got to cost me something. Amen, it's got to cost me something. I've got to be a price even because I've got to know him. worship will cost you something of value. Amen. God appointed that each of these beasts that was used for this service should be three years old because then they were at their full growth and strength. Amen. In other words, God must be served with the best that we have, for he is the best. Amen. He's given us the best that he has. Hallelujah. These, The Bible says, amen, that these four-legged animals were divided in half, but the birds were kept whole. Amen. And uh, we also know from the scripture that making the initial sacrifice is not enough. Amen. Here we read in Genesis chapter 15 that it was not enough just to offer the sacrifice and put the birds, the fowls, the animals on the altar. You say, well, I'm here in church, and I'm beginning to challenge some of you today. Well, I'm here in church today, and I'm worshiping the Lord, and I'm faithful. What's my? I'm not doing anything wrong. Amen. What I'm talking today to you about is this thing, defending your altar. Because once you make an altar and you offer the sacrifice, there will be things and there will be stuff that comes against you to destroy your sacrifice. To destroy the altar that you built for the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter if you've been for God for one year, one month, or 10 years, or 20 years. You've got to defend the altar that you built before the Lord. There will be things that try to snatch away and destroy, amen, your commitment to God. Some of you remember back when you first started living for God and you were excited about church and you were ready to worship God and you, you thank God for the revelation. You thank God for saving you. You've got to diligently guard your walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. The devil doesn't want to see you guys right. and us go forward and grow. Come on. He doesn't want to see you worship God, okay. live victoriously. You, here's, how, here's how it works. Amen. You, you get a blessing from the Lord on Sunday morning. Amen. And everything is well in the house, of the Lord, as it should be. And then you go home and Sunday night, Monday, you begin to feel, amen, the attack of hell against you. And the enemy swoops in to steal that joy and say, man, that was just, that was, that was show. That wasn't real what God did for you. Amen. And the devil begins to steal your joy. And somebody, you get to the, your house and you go support a family at their of. They offer you a beer. Or they just are drinking and you're hanging out. The devil begins to steal your joy. He begins to steal your purity that God gave you in church. He'll try to steal your sacrifice. Unless you defend your altar. Unless you defend your altar. There will be times, amen, that you can get so busy in life. And you're going to have a hard time finding time to pray. Well, the kids are just this way and and my job is so busy and and I just got all these activities and and I'm in transition and, and we've all got reasons why. We can let slide our walk with the Lord. We can all we all have reasons why we can let slide why we come late to church, why we can't stay awake in church, why we don't give faithfully, why we can't pray, why we can't read our Bible, why we can't worship, and we begin to let something slip. And the enemy tries to he tries to get in there and destroy and take away what God has given you today. Hallelujah. But you and I have got to make up in our minds. Ask for me in my house. We will serve the Lord. I'm going to have a daily walk with the Lord, a daily prayer life on church days. Amen. on the nights before I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to get up early on church morning. And I'm going to come ready for prayer. I'm giving God my best. I'm giving God my best. I'm giving God my best. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The fowls of the air begin to come down upon the car you're overcoming the enemy of your soul hallelujah you just keep going in victory and the devil's looking for a way to steal your sacrifice to Think some people live for God victoriously for decades because they've learned how to guard their altar. Hallelujah. Thank you. How do you think some people, as some of, as like some of the traveling evangelists that are traveling all of the time? How do you think they're able to stand behind the pulpit with anointing, with the Word from God? Amen. They, can't, they can not use excuse like a lot of us will try to use Well, I've been traveling a lot lately. I've been going here, and I've been going there. There's got to be a, a guarded place in your life, in your daily walk with God, where this is my time with the Lord. Amen. No family member's going to stop me from coming to church on Sunday morning. I've guarded the 10.30 to 12.30 time Hallelujah. It was not a lion that attempted to steal the sacrifice or a hyena, but it was the fowls of the air. And the Bible says that the devil is a prince of the power of the air. Amen. These were the the disturbances and the distractions of, of vain thoughts will oftentimes try to steal. Amen. Your sacrifice. Sometimes it's a distraction. Sometimes it's a random thought. You begin to think, oh, man, I'm taking a vacation next week. I wonder what it's going to be like in the cool, clear waters of Lake Tahoe. Wow. Oh, yeah, the preacher's preaching. Oh, I can already taste the carne asada that Brother Daniel's going to cook after church. Oh, I've been wanting Mexican food for such a long. And, And oh, yeah, the preacher's preaching. The distractions can begin to steal something. Amen. I've I've had it happen to me before where I'm sitting in front of my computer watching a training video. And all of a sudden I'll get distracted with my phone. I'll I'll look up and say, what's he talking about? I I lost track. It happens to us. We've got to stay focused and watch what God wants to do. Amen. Keep our eyes upon the Lord. Hallelujah. There's going to be disturbances. There's going to be distractions. Amen but the way that these uh, these hindrances are removed is by you and I being watchful. Right. It's by you and I opposing amen what hell's trying to do in our lives. Amen. It's not saying open the front door let let hell come in. It's not saying open the front door let let this person come in and that person let this distraction come into my life. Amen. But it's being watchful. It's opposing everything that opposes God. It's by perseverance in God. By the grace of God. I am going to guard this altar. I'm going to guard this altar. I'm going to defend it. With everything that's in me. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Picture Abraham watching that sacrifice. Until the sun went down. He didn't stop. Well I did my part pastor. It was really hard. I just couldn't do it. Abram had had a sacrifice on the altar. It was for the Lord, and the fowls didn't give up. No doubt you've seen some uh, YouTube videos or uh, National Geographic of uh, of the vultures and how they will just hang out on the limbs of the tree in the, in the not too far in the di- in the distance, and they'll just watch for that moment when that. That carcass is available or they have an opportunity to get there and steal some of that meat and they're hanging out and they're waiting. And sometimes you probably even see the lions. They'll just be watching. They say, you know what? The animal is getting tired. I'll just sit back here and I'll just wait. Because my time's coming. I'm going to get what I want. Amen. You've got to make up in your mind. I am going to live for God. I'm going to have a daily time of prayer. I'm going to have an altar that I've built with the Lord. And it's my time with God. And nothing will impede upon it. Nothing will impede upon it. Years ago. Amen. And you all know that I've grown up in church. My mother and father raised me and my brothers in church. But there came a point in my life where I said, Brother Daniel, I'm going to live for God until the day that I die. I'm going to live for God just Linda, until I, I fall over dead. That's right. And that commitment that those words have been hard at times because there's been times I thought, man, I'll just throw in the towel. I'll give up. It's too hard. And, right. And temptation, I'm so weak and I'm given to temptation and, and all of these different things. And, and so much will try to stop that forward progress. But I go back in my mind. I go back in my mind to that those early days as a 12-year-old boy on my face before the Lord reaching out to God. And I said, God, I told you that I would live for you till I die. That I would serve you with all of my heart, God. And God, here I am on the verge of giving up. But God... I want to honor this covenant one more day. God, one more time, I want to honor my covenant and my commitment to you, God. And I'm going to guard the altar that I built again. The enemy would try to lie to me and tell me, Amen, that it's not important. It's not worth fighting for. But some things, honey, are worth fighting for. Your walk with God is worth fighting for. The altar that you built. Before the Lord is worth guarding and defending. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! 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 Amen. Picture Abraham watching his sacrifice until the sun goes down, and constantly attempting to drive off the vultures from the slain offerings. His arms and his body had no doubt become weary with waving and chasing them off. And you know how it is, amen, when you begin to work out and, and you're doing some calisthenics. And you're after a while you can just do this thing will become hard to do Jesus, thank you. try it one time hold your arm out like this see how long you can do it it's not hard to do but as time begins to progress you'll watch your hands move. it's not heavy just after a while oh man my arm's starting to hurt and you'll become like this after a while that's how it is Abram had to, even when he was weary, hey, I'm guarding my sacrifice. Ah, I'm guarding my sacrifice. And there will be times when it requires every last bit of energy and strength you've got. Ah, Get away! This is important! And you become weary, but oh, this is valuable, this is important. And it seems like there's just constant distractions. And I'm going to fight this off and fight that off, but I'm going to defend the altar. I'm going to defend the altar that I've built before the Lord. The fowls of the air would love to consume the things that was consecrated to the Lord, which would thereby prevent the covenant from being fulfilled. Abram understood that I've got a covenant with God and the only way that this covenant is fulfilled is I guard the sacrifice. Amen. amen. I of the altar. And I say God, this covenant that I made with you, this promise I made with you, it's got to go through. I'm going to do everything in my power to see it come to pass. I'm going to do everything in my power to see it come to pass. You and I must drive back the spirits of darkness that are circling overhead. Don't think for one moment that just because you're here and you made up your mind to live for God, that hell just said, "Oh, that's cool. I didn't know you were going to church now. I guess I'll leave you alone." No. It's not how it works. You make up your mind to live for God, it might be you make up your mind live for God. And, and Sister Christine, we were just there talking this past Wednesday. We get out of church on Wednesday and there's a big rock on the side of her car. Her window's bashed in. Because hell doesn't want your, to have your altar before the Lord. Hell wants to make you so mad and give up. Hell wants to make you so mad. It might be you get home and your, your wife or your husband just goes off on you. Or, or you get in your car and the tire blows out on the freeway. You're thinking, man, it's so hard sometimes. What's the deal? Why is it going to be this way? And you're getting tired of guarding the sacrifice. Come on. And you say, God, this is important. The fowls of the air are trying to take For the kill. Right. The Bible talks about Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Which one of you is going to allow him to devour your sacrifice? You've got to get some internal resolve that says, you know what, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give him my very best. I'm not going to allow any any foreign element to come into my life to stop and hinder what God wants to do in my life. It is a costly and a bloody experience to put to death the things that we once held dear. Hallelujah. Let's not forget that it is a sacrifice. It is a killing. It is a taking of life. Amen. It is a costly and a bloody experience to put to death the things that we once held dear. But it is because that Abraham and you and I have got to realize that what we're getting is much more valuable than what we're giving. What I get when I come to church, when I come to God, is more valuable than the things. I lay an altar and I give to the Lord. It's a more valuable presence, His spirit in my life. It's of more value. Yeah, hallelujah. hallelujah. But in view of our walk with the Lord, in view of heaven, nothing is too great. No, no, nothing is too good, and no price too great. The first sacrifice is targeted by the enemy oftentimes are the little ones. Right. If Satan can devour the, the little ones, he will be emboldened to assault the larger consecrations in our lives. What do you mean, pastor? Sometimes the devil looks for something small in your life to take. Right. Come on. And if you can get a, something, a small compromise in your life, He'll begin to get another small compromise. I'm going to tell you exactly how it works sometimes. Well, I'll just miss church today. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it starts with, I'll just come late to church. Yeah. I'll just get there when I get there. It's not that important to come early for prayer. It's not that important to be on time. I'll just get there when I get there. Then it's, you know what? You, you're pretty faithful to church. You can you can miss once in a while. Doesn't sound too bad on the surface. You just miss once in a while, and it becomes easier to miss the next service. Right, right. Then the next service comes, and you know you really need to just take, take take time and relax, take a break, slow down. You're going too. You're doing too much. You're going too fast. You need on Sunday. You need rest for your body. The devil will give you legitimate excuses. You need rest? You've been doing a lot. And then he swoops in on the third Sunday. He says, you know, they've been talking about you. They, they, they know you've been missing church. Now his story begins to change. They're, they're probably going to look at you different when you come to church this Sunday. And then you skip out the fourth Sunday. You might as well admit it. You're already lost. You're already backslidden. You're a loser. You're defeated. You can't make. And he'll just build and build and build. But it's starting just come in a little bit late to church. You come later. And you come later. And you just say, you know what? If I get there, it'll be over by the time I get there. I'll just miss. It just, it builds like that. Then other times in your life, he'll get a small compromise and confession from you. He'll say, you know what? You've been busy today. And the devil always acts like he's concerned about you, but he's not concerned about you. <laughs> you know what? You could probably miss praying today. You can probably miss reading your Bible. Maybe just, read a, maybe just read a little bit. Just read, just pray a little bit. Don't don't try and do the the full one hour prayer. Don't try and read your full three to five chapters a day. Just just a little bit. Until after a while you're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. And you feel so cold and so distant. Then you feel like, well, I should pray. And you feel how hard it is to pray sometimes. Because you've let it go for so long. You haven't been guarding and defending your altar. And the devil will lie and lie and lie and lie. Yes, he will. And he'll try to destroy what God's given you. But the enemy understands we cannot be influenced to go out tomorrow and commit gross sin. But he can, however, lead us into gradually through a process of desensitization, go down and down, further and further. And I'm here to tell the church today. You've got to guard. You've got to defend your altar. Your time with God. It is important. It matters. You and I have got to say. You know what? There's no arguing. When it comes time for Sunday morning. We're going to be in church. At 10 o'clock for pre-service prayer. I'm I'm going to get up early. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. It's just. It's just some safeguards that I've built into my life that's going to help me to go the distance. I don't want to be 45 uh, because I'm almost 39. I'm almost 40. I don't want to be 45 and say, man, when I was 39, I should have done X, Y, and Z. I want to be able to look back and say, you know what, Sister Linda? Man, I poured it all out. I gave God everything. I, I, I was, I've been faithful. God has helped me. So much. Sister Ruth Reader in her, in her book, and I'm closing with this, uh, her book called A Covenant by Sacrifice, she recounts the following facts from American history and world history. She writes, it is set of the book that we are, that is now known as a movie. It's been that way for several years. The, the movie, the book, Gone with the Wind. But it was originally a book, and it was published by Margaret Mitchell in 1936. It was the highest lump sum payment for a novel back then for $50,000. It had become an award-winning bestseller. And shortly after the book's publication, Selznick International Pictures decided to make the story into a movie. Vivian Lee started starred as Scarlett O'Hara, while Clark Gable played the part of Rhett Butler. The motion picture was released to the public in January of 1940, and it went on to win 10 Academy Awards. One small curse word spoken at the end of the final scene had set this film apart from any other film ever released to date. One small (laughs) curse word first inserted into a movie in 1940. It's just one small curse word. It's, it's not that much. It's just once, it's not even the big bad word. It's just a little small curse word. Right, right. America was scandalized. This type of language had never before been used in the national media. However, it was not long before concerns had calmed, the outrage had stopped. Come on, come on. Everybody was in just this, this tizzy over, oh, this curse word. Did you hear that curse word? We can't watch that after a while. It was just one small curse word. It was just one tiny four-letter word and it seemed an appropriate ending to the story after all. It kind of fit the story, the narrative. There was no reason to get overly concerned about one dirty little word. Well, I just cussed a little bit. There at the end of the movie. I didn't cuss the whole time. Just a little bit, just one word. Just inserted ever so gently. But it was that one single minuscule expletive that seemingly insignificant indiscretion that breached the foundation of america just over 50 years later fast forward from 1940 to 1990 50 years later yeah now if you go down and you rent a movie or you download your stream however you get a movie Amen. You'll find that the floodgates of filth have been unleashed into our society through the film industry. It started with one small curse word back in 1940 and God with the wind. And there would be people that say, Well, that's it's a nice clean movie for you know for the most part. Then there's that one, but you know, it's just so small. But now in movies today, there's pornography, there's sex, there's violence, there's filthy language. Crude language, crime is rising in homes, schools, malls, the list goes on and on. But to think that it started with something seemingly so insignificant. Well, I'll just skip today from coming to church. I'll just, I don't need to pray today. I'll read my Bible tomorrow. I'm trying to make a connection to your mind. To the value of being consistent in your walk with the Lord and defending and guarding your altar, your sacrifice. God, I'm going to make sure that this one area of my life stays wildly protected from all the fowls of the air and every beast of the field, everything that would try to get into my life. Song of Solomon two and fifteen says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things that get into, amen, the the vineyard that begins to that begins to wreak havoc. It's like it's just a small thing, it's a little fox. That little thing's not gonna do much damage in my life. That little relationship that I've got on the side is not going to cause that much damage in my life. Just keep a little bit of the old music in my in my uh, in my uh, you know my my record player or whatever it is, uh, in boot box or, uh, streamed streamed saved in my iPhone, whatever it is. Just just have a little bit in the back. It's not going to hurt me. Just have a little bit of drugs just in case I get down. A little bit of alcohol in the fridge. Just keep a little bit of. altar i'm going to defend my altar stand with me today as we close this service this morning consider with me for a moment the great city of ephesus that is often mentioned in your bible as mentioned in the old testament mentioned in the new testament this was the cultural and commercial center of the day ephesus was known for its bustling harbors and broad avenues Gymnasiums, its baths and amphitheaters, and the magnificent Temple of Diana—that's what Ephesus was known for. What happened? Uh, what happened exactly to bring about its gradual decline until the harbor was no longer crowded with ships and the city was no longer a flourishing uh, was no longer a flourishing metropolis. What was it that took down the mighty city of Ephesus? Was it by plagues? Things like COVID-19? Things like leprosy? Was it plagues that destroyed the city of Ephesus? Was it destroyed by a powerful military army that came into uh, conquest and destroyed it? Was it a great earthquake that destroyed the city of Ephesus? The answer is surprising, really. The answer is this four-letter word called silt silt destroyed the city of Ephesus the nonviolent and the silent silt over the years fine sedimentary particles slowly filled the harbor distancing the city from the economic life of the sea traders evil practices and little acts of disobedience may seem harmless however Amen. But let the silt of sin gradually and more and more accumulate in your life. Let a little bit of compromise accumulate in your life. Little by little, you'll find yourself farther and farther and farther away from God. Let's lift our hands in this place this morning. Amen. I'm asking somebody to examine themselves here this morning as we close this service. I want somebody to lift their hands into the Lord. I want us to be able to reach out to God. Amen. There are folks, there are many of us here today. Amen. I'm, I'm talking to the church this morning. We've got to be the ones, amen, to defend the altar and the commitment, the consecrations that we made before the Lord. Amen. The enemy will try to destroy what God's doing in your life here on this Sunday morning come on let's lift our voices and let's pray as the music begins to play amen i want somebody to reach out to god and say god i'll make a fresh covenant with you this sunday morning god i'm going to guard my altar i'm going to guard my consecration i'm going to defend my sacrifice i'm going to make it a point god the enemy will not cause me for one moment to compromise and if he has in the past God from this point forward I'll live consistently God I'll build into my life God I'll build into my life the safeguards of an altar of a consistent altar before the Lord come on somebody needs to pray this morning